we're right now we're live so as we always do every single live we try to get the people warmed up and get them ready for the show feel like spring. does it feel like spring where you at not at all not at all actually the, the sun is trying to do a little something so i can i can see how it's gonna it's coming it's coming slowly but surely slowly but surely absolutely yeah, so we're waiting for a few people to come on and then we're gonna get crackalacking. But uh, this is Kako tea. You have your Kako tea? Yes. Kako tea to the world? <laughs> yum, yum. Yeah, yum, yum, eh? <laughs> <laughs> where, did you, where did you buy your Kako? Where do you get your Kako? My mother brings it from Dominica or from anybody that's coming from the Caribbean. That is how we do. Yes. And it's so funny how we like we get so caught up and we make sure that we have that caco tea mm -hmm. with us because we're worried that we will not find it wherever we live. So I was just we make sure with my mom this morning saying, where, where, where's, where is the caco tea this morning? Where is it? I need it. <laughs> I left the house most vexed this morning. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, so we're starting to get a few folks coming on. Uh, I want to say good afternoon to everyone. Uh, I think we have about six viewers now locked in, and yeah. we're going to get going. Don't forget, if you're just locking in, you can always say your highs, interact with us right here on Kako T. You can ask your questions. Um, how, um, our guests, every single guest will answer, of course, if they choose to. <laughs> Um, they'll choose to answer the question. Uh, so we just like a lot of interaction. You have we, the show is about an hour long, and we want to make sure that we get all our um, our viewers engaged, or we keep them engaged in the conversation. Uh, today, of course, we're interviewing the lovely, the beautiful. Well, you see her right, right, right there. And I, I mean, she she's a star. Um, the Huffington Post, Meredith Leon. Mark Moore, um, that's McCormack, describes her as a songstress with a voice. She shook my world when I first heard her work. Her music was oddly familiar in the vein of Ella Fitzgerald and in the sadness of Billie Holiday. A daughter of the soil, born in the nature island of the Caribbean, Dominica, and raised in the bustle of New York City. She shares her love for music and stage as an opera and jazz singer with a nice fusion blend two nations uh sorry that's two united nations performances under her belt as well as a series of shows at the metropolitan in new york the 2014 naacp honorary award recipient her musical album entitled chasing rainbows a memoir of her troubled past MC full of gold, as she's affectionately known as. Let's welcome Marie Claire Zero. Marie Claire, hi. Hey, how is everybody? Happy Sunday. Happy Sunday to you. How are you doing? I'm wonderful. Wonderful How's and wonderful? blessed. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I am I am alive with that spring forward thing, you know? I'm mm -hmm. Yes. Um, I felt like I literally sprung forward because my eyes are still like red right <laughs> from the lack of sleep one hour makes a difference yeah. one hour it definitely does make a difference but the sun is i can see that the sun is stronger today than it even was yesterday so i see that we're moving in the right direction of warm weather which i am so thankful for <laughs> hallelujah hallelujah 
And um, I met, I just want to, I like to start my show with how I know my guests. Um, mm -hmm. I remember I always used to see you like walking the streets in Roseau. Like, I don't know if you were on a vacation or if you were passing through or you were living there for a little bit. I can't remember ex or recall exactly how it was. But I remember um, seeing you, you know, walking the streets of Rosa and you had a one to once I saw you had this like cut up T-shirt, uh, like sort of like a crop top and jeans, cut up jeans. Like they were totally like holy. And I remember another time seeing you in this big skirt, this huge skirt. And again, your little crop top. Um, and I was your curly hair all over the place and stuff. And I would always say, who's that girl? Who's that girl? You know, I always wonder, you know, and then someone said to me, oh, she's Marie Claire. She's a singer. Um, she's, she goes back and forth between uh, Dominica and, and New York. And then it was, I, I think, I don't even remember if I had already fully moved to Canada yet, or if it was just, I just saw you in passing. But I remember once um you actually i can't remember how we ran into each other but you invited me to your house don't know if you remember that um you lived at the time in um right above massac what is that called? in check hall check hall yes. you lived in a big white house yes and yes. i think you wanted your eyebrows threaded and someone told you that I knew how to thread brows. Yes. And I came to your house and you had this backyard. You had this, this big, um, big bench it was, or, or hammock sort of a bench. Yes. Sort of outside. Yes. yes. Outside. And you were like lounging there, like, <laughs> like <this exotic laughs> whatever. And I got to speak into you and you were just this interesting individual. And ever since, you know, we became Facebook friends, followed each other and stuff. And, Yes, I remember years ago you um, you were in Dominica. Uh, you did a, 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 I think it was a little piece you were doing on your on your album, and you brought in a famous person. Everybody, yes, everybody flooded in to yes. the Fortune Hotel because you sent out invitations, of course, before. Yes, um, and people came to see you, and I was so impressed. I was like. Hey, I kind of like no celebrity. You know, I felt like I was feeling myself, you know, and stuff. But Marika, I mean, you blossomed so beautifully, and like, I mean, you do such great music, and uh, we're gonna get into it hot and heavy, and and at today, I, I know some people might get scared, but hey, it's such. A don't be life. don't don't be scared. Don't, don't be scared, right? Don't be scared. <laughs> we're just gonna we're just gonna keep speaking and keep talking and sharing and and I hope that the listeners, the viewers are are utterly entertained. Uh, Marika, how old were you when you moved to the U.S.? I moved to the U.S. when I was four years old. I moved to the Bronx. My grandmother was already here. Actually, my mother was already a U.S. citizen. She finished high school here in um, United States. Um, but then she got engaged to my dad, Julian Juro, and then she went back to Dominica and married him. They, no, they were married here. They went back to Dominica to live. And then when I was four, my brother was six months old. My mom moved us permanently here to the Bronx. Okay, and uh, as a West Indian woman, why did you choose to study opera? Well, that is a very interesting story, Jill. <laughs> so I was in my last year of studying archaeology at Brooklyn College in New York, part of CUNY. 
City University of New York. Mm -hmm. And I got a job at Tower Records. Um, one of the, I miss Tower Records. I miss record stores, period. Um, but Tower Records was great. Tower Records on 8th Street. And I, of course, I knew classical music. I studied classical piano as a child. So I directly went to the classical department. I needed a part-time job. So went there. They weren't hiring. But they said they are hiring in the soundtracks department. And the jazz department, I was like, oh, my God, I know nothing about jazz. So I went in there. I just... I looked through all the stacks of CDs and records. I memorized some names and I went to the manager. Boom, I got hired. Um, and then I started working at Tower Records. Then I met my very good friend, Anna. And Anna was, um, was one of the managers there at Tower Records. And, and she introduced me, because of working there, I was introduced to people like Ella Fitzgerald, um, um, Dinah Washington, all these things I didn't know before. And she said, you know, Miracle, you have a great voice. I, you know, I didn't believe her. She's my friend. She's going to say anything. She's going to, you know. And <laughs> one of these days, she got me on stage, JL, to sing. It wasn't opera yet. It was jazz. And I swear to God, JL, it was like, what did I do before this moment? It's like I didn't breathe. I didn't see colors. I didn't. I wasn't alive. Until that moment when I touched the microphone and I sang, it's like nothing was important. I didn't live. It's like that's when I was born, practically. And it was like the whole new world just opened up. And I was like, I found my calling. That was it. That was it. So Anna and I, make a long story short, decided to take a trip of the South. She um, wanted to do rock and roll. I still wanted to do jazz at that point. We settled in Austin, Texas. Long story short, I'm in Tower Records classical department. Unbeknownst to me, the musical director of the Austin Lyric Opera Company comes into the department. Here's me just singing along to La Boheme because I thought the department was empty. He says, Miss, I'm blah, 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 I'm doing auditions. I'm the music director of the Austin Opera Company. And I want you to audition. I was like, oh, my God. I can't sing opera. Oh, my God. What am I going to do? Go down there to audition. I bombed. I was so nervous. I sang every note but the notes that were on the page. I left with my tail between my legs. Next thing I know, a week later, he calls me back. He says, Mary Claire, I have a feeling about you. Come back. So it's just me and him in the, aud in the, in, in the auditorium. And he says, you know what? Just sing for me. Just as high as you think you can go. Just sing. And I sang. And next thing I knew, I was accepted into the Austin Lyric Opera Company. And I debuted in La Boheme. And it was, it was magnificent. Wow. And did you, at that time, did you have any mentors, any people that you were actually looking up to and, uh, and saying, okay, I want to do this? Because, I mean, opera is so far-fetched for a West Indian woman. Yeah, it's so you know, far removed. Exactly, exactly. How, who did you look up to? Because you, there must There was nobody in the opera world that I really looked up to. It was more jazz. Like, the reason why I started singing is because of Ella Fitzgerald. She's like my everything. She's, she's everything, everything. Wow. And wow. that's across the board. She is the number one. Then you get into people like Marian Anderson and, and Maria Callas and Leontine Price and all of these extraordinary these are true divas the word diva has been so watered down today where it means nothing you know but a diva in the true sense is an opera singer because they transcend they bring you to another place the notes that they can produce are just otherworldly you know and and i went to i was in austin texas and then i went to rome and i studied and i studied opera singing just like that just like that. Uh, no one can really stop you, you know, but yourself. 
who really contributed to your success? Who would you say contributed to your success? I would say one of the main, um, other than God and me, um, was my cousin Ian Pringle. He, Ian Pringle has to be one. Um, Ian Pringle never heard me sing, only saw my desire and my passion. And this man funded me for years, for years until he unfortunately passed away. But he really was the, the foundation for a lot of it. Mm. You've been part of many collaborations. Rapper Rob Stowe, you've done reggae artists, um, Spraga Bands. How did these actually happen? So, so Ayola George, who's like my, Ayola is just fantastic. So she's in Jamaica. Um, studying at Edel Manley and she's also a PR. So I was going back and forth to Jamaica a lot because I love to mix opera with different genres, reggae and dancehall being one of the genres that I like to mix it with. And I, and I told Iola, I said, Iola, I want to do a version of Bob Marley's Rastaman chant. And I want Spraga Benz to be the person I want to do it with. Because when I, when I get a collaboration, the person that I want to do it with automatically comes into my head. And I heard his voice over it more than anybody else. And he was like, you know what? Let me just approach the manager. And one thing led to another. And next thing, Spraga Benz is coming in his big black truck to my hotel. And we're having drinks outside. And we're talking about this idea. And he's like, yeah, I'm going to do it. Let's do it. And we're going to the studio. And it was like, it was fantastic. Wow. Uh, so so that one happened this week. You you did um, another one with that um, rap artist. Rob um, Stone, yes. Rob Stone. Like, yeah. how so I am I am very good friends with Vernon Reed and the rock band, the black rock band Living Color. Okay. So I helped I helped Corey Glover. I coached Corey Glover on doing the national anthem at Madison Square Garden because he was very nervous about it. And I since I've sung it at many big venues, including the Barclay Center, you know, Vernon was like, you know, let's have Mary Claire come in and just coach you on it. So I did. And that led to their management team bringing something to Vernon saying that, you know, um, Rob Stone, Sony has this thing called Out of Their Comfort Zone, where they have artists that have had hits, but they want them to recreate it in a different way. Okay. And so Missy, their their manager said, who do you think? And Vernon was like, oh my God, we got to get Mary Claire, you know? And Missy was like, oh my God, why didn't I think of Mary Claire? Yes. So called me in, Rob Stone loved my voice, and and yeah, that, that happened. I got paid a fat check for 15 minutes. 15 wow. Wow, you must have been excited about that. It was it was amazing. It was I mean I did this Bernard Herman loop, the whistle, you know, and um, when I heard it, I said, oh my god, I can sing this in my sleep. I love Bernard Herman, and um, I know that whistle, so it was nothing to recreate it. Now you've shared the stage with the likes of Kimani Mali, uh, just to name a few. What would you say was your most memorable performance? My most memorable. You know, just off the top of my head, that would have to be, you know, two years ago where they had the terrorist attack in Paris, in France, in Paris. Yes. So I was scheduled to sing, I'm getting chills. I was scheduled to sing the national anthem at the Barclays Center. And they had, because that happened, they had a French woman sing the French national anthem. And then after I came on to sing the national anthem, um, the U.S. national anthem. And even before JL, I could finish. I could, you know, when you, the audience was so emotional from this, from everything that was happening in the world and hearing the national anthem and the rockets, red glare, the bombs burst. It was the amount, the wave of emotion 
that came to me on that ice was just I, I can never forget that. The the hockey play it was for the um it was for the Islanders versus another hockey team and the um the the ice skaters were pounding their their I don't know their sticks on the ice the commentators were it was just pandemonium wow and yeah that was that blew my mind because I literally was shaking on the ice because not because I was nervous but because of the emotion that was coming to me it was it was strong and it was it was a beautiful experience it was amazing wow i always I, I the times i've seen you perform it was always very very chilling it was like oh my god like we're waiting for especially when you hit those notes girl let me tell you <laughs> <laughs> sometimes i'm like scared i'm like i, I hope i hope she don't pass out because <laughs> No, those did, notes, man. Did she eat enough? Is there water on the stage? You know, shoot. <laughs> those notes are real <laughs> high, man. Um, I wanna, I wanna go, go to the Caribbean a little bit. Um, yes. Because you've had so much um, success in 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 New York, in America. Um, you've had, you've been embraced a lot by by a lot of different people. Um, in the, in the States. Can you tell us what your reception or what the reception is like for my, particularly your home island, Dominique? <sighs> okay. Um, well, I love Dominica very much. It's the place where I was born. I feel very close to the island, but it's like, it's almost like being born in Dominica and being raised in New York. It's almost like a hindrance when you go back to Dominica. Um, not everybody was, 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 it wasn't altogether a bad experience. In a lot of ways, it was absolutely wonderful, but it's almost like, why did you come back here? Really? You know, and, um, and it's, it was, it was daunting. It, again, not everybody was like that because not every experience is bad. Not every experience is bad. There's always, there's always the good and the bad, the yin and the yang. But, um, I have to say overall, um, I love Dominica. I want the best for Dominica. Um, it's one of the most beautiful places on earth. And um, I would still tell anybody to visit it because... Have you actually performed like in any major events? Yeah, I performed at Creole in the Park okay. a few times. Um, a few Dominicans and I, we got together and started our own little festival called Year of the Child. Anna Raful, Nelly Starr, um, Emile Raful, um, my sister Gail Giraud. Um, Nelly, Emil, yeah, and, and we all formed this year of the child. Um, um, Queen Africa came down, and Tony Rebel, and it was it was fantastic to raise money um, for children in need. So yes, I performed at um, at many different stages in Dominica, and I would and I would do it again. It, it is my it is my country. <laughs> well, st staying on Dominica, what is your fondest more memories um, about island life? You know? Oh my God! Can I tell you? Can I first of all screws? Can I please say screws? Yes. What and waving? <laughs> People might think you're saying something bad. You, you know? know, it's not. Screws is 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 is. Hold it. It's this. It's this fantastic place in Watton Waven where this man has made this um his land. I think he inherited from his dad, and he made these incredible pools, hot water, and it is something to behold and experience. I could go there He's every day. He's something to behold and experience. Absolutely. <laughs> Just him himself. Just him himself. <laughs> he's, yes. He's such a character. Walking <laughs> around in, in, his, in his thongs and head tie with no shoes. Yes. 
always gives you a big platter of fruit. Of fruit, yes, and nice fresh cold spring water, and it's wonderful. But my my fondest memories of Dominica is being in the countryside. My both my my parents, my mom and my dad, are from South City, Grand Bay. My my dad's mother is from Pichle, and my mother's family is from Grand Bay. And I remember. There's nothing like seeing the full moon over Grand Bay. A full moon over Grand Bay in the country has to be one of the most beautiful things on earth to behold. Especially when you go to the heights. Oh my God. And then and then bathing in rainwater outside. <laughs> it's fantastic. <laughs> We're getting some reaction here. Um, Faye K. Ray says, you look and sound like Whitney Houston. So that's um, fake. Thank you. People who are actually coming in. Yes. Um, there's uh, somebody else is shouting you out. That is um, Bo um, Bolan out there. Uh, that's Lava Sayer. She's saying hi, MC. You know, hey, MC. So we're getting some reaction from the viewers um, right about now. Yes. Um, excuse and me. you know, and, and I have to say, there's a David, David Bowie lyric, right, from Let's Dance. And it's mm -hmm. under the moonlight, the serious moonlight. Mm -hmm. And that lyric always reminds me of Grand Bay Full Moon. Really? Oh. Life. L what? That is this. <laughs> there's nothing like that. Nothing. Wow. Exquisite. You feel like you're so, uh, people don't even understand. Like, you feel like you're close to the sky. You, the moon is <laughs> like so huge. huge. You, you feel like you can touch it. It is gorgeous. It dims out all lights. It's just amazing. And then to, to you know, um, people in the country, they collect the rainwater when it falls. And the rain falls so hard in Dominica, in the countryside, that you can actually bathe under that rain. And that has to be one of the best experiences of my life. Wow. You make, yeah. you make me want to go back home now. Right, right. Yeah. I can get some of that rainwater. <laughs> Now, Marie Claire, um, the acclaimed National Geographic photographer, Rudy Roy, yes. he ran a campaign called Their Image, Their Voice, where you were featured. And you shared briefly on your Me Too, or hashtag Me Too story. Yes. Personally, why did you want to share your story of sexual abuse? Well, I think it's very important that, um, that children, especially children of color, they'd see someone who has been through something like that and that has turned a negative into a positive. Um, I think it's, it's extremely empowering, um, not only for me to tell my story, but for somebody who's experiencing it, experiencing it or who has experienced it, to see somebody has, who has made it through the other side. When exactly did uh, the sexual abuse start? It started when I was seven. I was, um, I was raped when I was seven years old. And then I was um, sexually molested from the age of eight to 16. I'm sorry to hear that. I'm absolutely so sorry to hear that. Power to the sexual, people. Sexual abuse is, is very, very common in the Caribbean. Um, in the world, it's common throughout the world. Yeah. However, yeah. it sometimes feel that it's become sort of part of our society. Right. And we just have to accept it. What are your thoughts on that? It No, you'd never have to. That's not something that you would want to accept. You know, you accept, um, you accept Skittles, you know, you accept um, um, a candy bar. You don't want to accept, um, you accept a bottle of, of perfume. You don't want to accept something like, like that because that 
Okay, I apologize for this interruption. Something happened, but we are getting her back on. Yes, um, sorry about that. She's, she's back. She's back here. She's back yes. here with us. You know, sometimes some things just don't want to be spoken about. Eh? <laughs> no, exactly. Jeez, the, devil, the devil. The devil is a liar. He is definitely a liar. But yes. you, you have been victorious. Um, uh, you were telling us a little bit about um about you know your whole experience with sexual abuse. Um, we have some people um, coming on saying, um, you know, the Nature Islands, Moonlights. You know, we're talking about the, the moonlight and the Nature Island. But we're actually um, touching a little bit on the fact that you experience sexual abuse as, yes. as a very, at a very tender age. And how in the islands, like, you, you've heard about even going most recently, so many different women are has, has speaking up against sexual abuse yet it feels like it's not trickling to the caribbean at all like it's it's stuck in the in north america right and nobody else is opening up nobody's voicing or saying saying anything um you're not hearing of anybody being arrested you're not hearing anything happening it's right. just it's just gone it's, it's almost stagnant in the Caribbean. Um, what exactly do you think about, what, what are your thoughts on that? I think that very, um, a lot of people, especially people of color, they see this as a stigma and they don't want to talk about it. It's, it's, it's a huge embarrassment, um, especially for the victim and the victim's family. And um, they think that the best way to deal with it is to just hush it up and not say anything. And that's the worst thing that you could possibly do, especially for the person that has been abused. It's the worst thing is to not um, not to talk about it, not to get that person some kind of therapy and help and not to prosecute the person that did this to them. It's a difficult thing to talk about. I um, I want to reiterate how, how sorry I am that you had to go through that. But can you take us back a little um, when you were six? It was it was it's like it's almost it's like my mom told me that when I was I was little I was very um um boisterous outgoing you know on Virgin Lane you know we had a house in Virgin Lane where we lived that I was a child going across the street to ask for Phyllis to get me you know bread and jelly I was asking the old ladies down the street if I can come look at their house I was always out and about and doing things but when that happened it's like the light was on and then the light turned off you know people don't understand how the the gravity that this does to a person you're innocent the child's innocent is lost forever and innocence is something that is so fragile and it's so precious and it should be guarded because it's your childhood you know you should be able to have any child should be able to have a childhood where they can run they can play and they don't have to feel threatened you know or attacked or bothered um so it was it was it was horrifying. It was, it, it was horrible. It was horrifying. It, it, yeah. And I thank the maker that um, I made it. And, you know, it's only recently that I realized that um, I, I thought I had lost my faith because I thought that God had abandoned me. But actually, it's me that abandoned God because he was with me every step of the way because there's no other way I could have made it. What did you do? At that tender age again. Um, you know, music, you know, I God brought um music into my life and, and angels along the way to support me. Most specifically, Beethoven's Fifth Symphony is something that just 
transformed my life and just and helped me um, tremendously during those years. Music, yes. Um, uh, okay, uh, we're, we're on the lines of speaking out and speaking up about it. Was how close was that person to you or to your environment? The um, the person from the ages of eight to sixteen, I spent every summer in this person's house and on family visits if we went to the house and blah 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 blah. So it was it was yeah, three four months out of the year, every year. What was the outcome? The outcome was that I I I saw therapy on my own um, because I knew that if I didn't. I would be even more messed up than I am right now. <laughs> and um, I needed to, to get some, to have some tools to deal with, to deal with it. Because it's not something that you truly ever get over, but there are tools that can help you um, um, live a somewhat normal life. Was that person ever prosecuted? Um... No, neither, neither people were ever prosecuted. Do you feel somewhat that they may have done that to other people besides you? They 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 definitely did that to other people other than me. But um, they 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 died miserable deaths. You know, they didn't die um peacefully. They did so not you feel some sort of. Uh, you feel better knowing that. Hey, not even because at that when at that point. You know, forgiveness is a powerful thing, you know, and in order for me to move forward in my healing process, I have to forgive mm -hmm. everyone who was ever a part of any of this. I have to be able to forgive them. You know, I don't forget, but I forgive and move on.